Hi, and welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. And before we jump into it today, we have, I wouldn't call it a peer review. (laughs) We have a peer comment. Okay. Listener Chelsea was having a moment because she realized that Shakespeare is a fanfic writer. Right. Before our special episode, we talked about Hamlet by Shakespeare, and Chelsea wrote in and said that she couldn't get over that Shakespeare is a fanfic writer. And you know what, Chelsea? You're not wrong. Chelsea's not wrong. Chelsea's uh, understanding Shakespeare, I think, at its core. (laughs) Yes. I looked it up, and it turns out more than half of Shakespeare's stories were based off other works. That makes sense. I'm thinking about Titus Andronicus. My entire essay for that one was how it was about like Ovid and stuff. So mm. yeah. The ones I saw was Romeo and Juliet. Ooh. It's based off the tragical history of Romeus and Juliet, which is a poem by Arthur Brooke. And I know you're making that face at Romeus and Juliet, but also I want you to know that tragical has two L's, and history is spelt with a Y-E. Okay. I mean, he also did a bunch of, like, the the fanfics for the histories, the Henry ads and the like. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Is it a fanfic if it's based off actual history, though? That's kind of a gray area. I would I would say that he it was a fanfic because he was a fan <laughs> and he was writing fiction. Therefore, fanfic. You got me there. I guess, I'm sure there's, like, fanfics about One Direction or something, and they're real people. So yeah, yeah, I'll I'll take it. And by I'm sure there's fanfics about One Direction. I can tell you there are fanfics about One Direction, <laughs> and I've unfortunately read too many of them <laughs> in my youth on purpose. It was a phase. Um, Othello was based off the Italian short story Un Capitano Moro by Cynthio. Um, that's probably not how you pronounce that in Spanish. <laughs> Is Cynthio just like his full name? Kind of like, you know, Prince? Yeah, no, he's like Prince and Cher and... Uh, Adele. Adele. Madonna. <laughs> yeah. Cynthio. Um, Macbeth was also based off history, apparently. Hmm. There was this compendium of English and Scottish history, and he stole it from there. See, that's the thing. Like, is he... <laughs> Is he a fanfic writer or is he just like a regurgitator? <laughs> he's like, I've heard this. I'm just going to say it again, but cool. Yes, the latter. The latter. Okay, good to know. So that's a really good segue into this week's topic because we are also talking about a fanfic. Right, yes. The fanfic of the original book, so to speak. <laughs> We're going to talk about Paradise Lost by John Milton, which is biblical fanfiction. It's fanfiction of the book of Genesis the first book in the Christian Bible. And I'm going to assume it's also like an adapted version of the first book in the Torah because the Torah and Old Testament are like basically the same book. Basically. One's a fanfic of the other. So it's a fanfic of a fanfic. So it's like, it's not Fifty Shades of Grey, but it's 365 Days, which is a fanfic of Fifty Shades of Grey, which is a fanfic of Twilight. Yes. Which is probably not an original idea anyways. Well, it came from a dream. Right. Um, But I think it's supposed to be like a Romeo and Juliet novel knockoff also yeah which is a knockoff <laughs> which is a knockoff of Romeus and Juliet oh my god this whole rabbit hole goes way too deep catch us next week <laughs> when we're still trying to figure out where Romeus and Juliet came from oh my god and also 
There is fanfic about Paradise Lost, if you're wondering. Of course there is. And one of them is called The Devil Went Down to Starbucks. And I just want you to think about that for like two seconds. He don't go down to Georgia no more. He go to Starbucks. (laughs) Shout out to people from Georgia. So that's that. I don't know if I should give a heads up that I'm going to be treating the Bible and Paradise Lost as like texts. Yeah. Like I'm going to be treating them both as literature. Like, okay, so um, as the, the Catholic in this podcasting relationship, um, yeah. I will allow you to treat the Bible as a non-religious text that you need to hold up on a pedestal. The thing about Paradise Lost and everything that was written before it is they were written at a time when they were playing very fast and loose with what history was. <laughs> That's a term for it, yeah. So it wasn't like they would write down, okay, I saw this happen. I talked to a primary source who saw this happen. So this happened. It'll sometimes be like, I saw this happen, but isn't it more interesting if Arthur was also kind of magical? And isn't it more interesting if Lancelot was also banging Guinevere? Also, I had a dream that there was this witch named Morgana. So I'm going to throw here in there too. Like they were very fast and loose with history and literature and there was not a distinction between the two of them. We don't need to take everything for cash and it's fine (laughs) if we don't. And you know, if your interpretation of the Bible is one way, that's cool. That's good. We let you have ownership over that interpretation. I will not tell you that you're wrong. I will also not tell you that you're right. I will respect your right to have your own interpretation. However, today we will have our own interpretations. Or you can skip the episode, whichever one works. (laughs) Okay, so I'm just going to give like a little summary of Paradise Lost because it's a long ass epic poem. It's too long. It's, It's so long. It's like 200 pages. It's so long. It's 12 books. It was originally 10 books, but then... Milton was like, why don't we do a second edition and then make it kind of like the Iliad? That's an epic poem. We'll just do that. And he bumped it up to 12 books somehow. There wasn't enough content to bump it up to 12 books, but he did it anyway. Can I can I point out something here? That the reason I didn't take Renaissance literature with my favorite professor was because I knew he was going to tackle Milton and I refused to read Paradise Laws in its entirety because I still haven't. That uh, I was so angry at the first like couple books I had to read about it that I just gave up and didn't take class I really wanted to take. I took that class and you came to that lesson anyway, so. <laughs> I did, I did. And we can talk about that afterwards because uh, that was a fun time. That was a fun time. So it starts with a call to the muse, but not like the classical muse. It specifically says it's the same muse that came to Moses when he wrote the Ten Commandments. Um, Was that not supposed to be God? So I guess it's calling to God. The OG muse. Okay. Yeah. I think Milton's positing himself as like an actual prophet in this poem. Okay. People did see him as blasphemous in his lifetime. So whatevs. (laughs) Then we get to the actual poem. Satan and his fellow devils are chained to a lake of fire. Basically, they picked a fight with God because the son was God's second in command and Satan was mad about it because he wanted to be God's second in command. Right. Because of the whole Trinity thing. Yeah. The son being Jesus before he was born. So then they break free from the lake. They build a headquarters and they call it Pandemonium. And in Pandemonium, they're plotting their revenge. And Beelzebub has an idea to get back at God by corrupting his favorite creation, 
humans. Is that why we have Bohemian Rhapsody now? Yes, you nailed it. Thanks. Satan says, hey, that's a great idea. And he heads up to Earth. And on the way, he passes by the gates of hell, where we meet the wildest characters in this poem, Sin and Death. Here's a rundown of the most ridiculous family tree. (laughs) When Satan was an angel in heaven, his name was Lucifer. And a woman sprang from his head, like Athena sprang from Zeus's head in Greek mythology. She just sprang fully formed from his head, and that was Sim. Fanfics, got it. Yeah. He said, wow, that's a beautiful woman. And together they had a baby, but since she was kind of his kid, it was like a corrupt baby. Right, okay, so this is a tale against incest, got it. Yeah. They had a full-grown child, and that was Death, and Death isn't he doesn't look like a person he looks like a person shaped shadow so like the grim reaper in the sims i guess yeah and then he turned around and fathered another child from sin except since he was sin's child that child was also corrupt and it wasn't even a human it was three hellhounds they circle her waist and on the regular they burrow back up into her womb and they gnaw on her entrails. Ah, yes, the vaginal hellhounds. Yes. When I read this originally, I had to stop. I had to put the book down. I had to come into your part of our joint room, and I had to say, listen, I don't, you just stop what you're doing right now. I need to read you this passage about vaginal hellhounds, and you need to tell me I'm not insane. I mean, you weren't. You were not insane. Also, it's really a feat that they can burrow back up into her womb because she doesn't have legs. Like on the bottom, she's a snake. Where is it? Where's the entrance? Tell me. I don't know. I'm sure snakes have an entrance. Do they not have eggs? Do they not egg? Yeah, they have eggs. Yeah, I don't know. It's a riddle. Is this just that like Milton had never seen a woman before and he was confused? Or had he never seen a snake before and he was confused? (laughs) I think maybe both. Okay, good to know. So after we beat Sin and Death, they're like, okay, good idea. You're going to go corrupt the humans? We'll open the gates of hell for you. Satan travels through chaos, which is just like this swirling mass of nonsense. Chaos. And also kind of a character. Chaos is like a character in this. Okay. With a personality. Personification of a space. Got it. Love it. Yeah. It's like a space, but also a person who lives in the space. So it's like if my apartment was called Amy's house. Yes. And your apartment also was your roommate. Yeah. And her name was Amy's house. Yeah. So he gets to the Garden of Eden and then he puts on the worst disguise and tricks the dumbest angel to let him into the Garden of Eden. And the angel's like, ah, yes, Satan the cherub, come right in. I knew a guy named Satan once, but he was a devil. You are clearly a cherub. It must be unfortunate to have the same name as the devil. <laughs> and then he uh, he goes into the garden and he sneaks around and starts scoping out what's going on in there. So in the center of the garden, we've got the tree of life, which is the original source of food and life and just like purity. The apple? No. Oh, that's not the one with the apple. No. Then we've got next to it, the tree of knowledge. Right, 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 right. Okay. Which is the one with the apple, but it's actually probably a pomegranate because there were no apples in the Middle East. Uh, Not the Middle East. I think it's supposed to be in Asia, the Garden of Eden. Could also be a fig. I mean, I guess it could be a fig. But a lot of scholars think it's pomegranate. <laughs> yeah, but the thing about fig is that they are made out of wasps, which I think is more metal than a pomegranate. They're made of wasps? Yeah, so there's a specific type of wasp that burrows inside of figs, and then they kind of get 
digested by the fig and when you eat a fig you're eating wasps that's disgusting that's horrible that's awful i'm just so upset fun facts with amy on fridays i can't believe you've done this to me so the tree of knowledge is the source of basically all sin like if you know what you're doing you can sin which is why animals can't sin because they don't really understand like what's good and what's bad oh my dog understands what's good and what's bad i mean so does my cat yeah but um in the bible they're not <laughs> supposed to all dogs go to heaven it's fine also in the garden of eden is adam and eve yes the two original humans also the two original people who will be on reddit's relationship advice <laughs> because my god they had a relationship problem it was communication yeah they really did oh man meanwhile uriel the angel who let satan in is like hmm maybe that wasn't a cherub. And then he goes and says to God, hey, I think maybe I made a mistake. When you go to your boss and you're like, um, so I think I fucked up. <laughs> I think I did something bad. I hope this can be undone. Do we have a control Z? <laughs> God goes, ah, rats. And he sees in his mind because he's omniscient. Yes. That the humans are going to sin because of Satan. And then because they have sinned, they're going to be punished forever all humans forever right the son his right hand man volunteers to sacrifice himself so that all humans won't be punished forever would you say he volunteers at tribute i would say that okay i would in fact but then god says great that's a great idea Except I'm going to like wait 8,000 years and I'm going to let all those 8,000 years worth of people get punished. Right. Forever and eternity in hell. Right. Cool idea though. We're going to do that eventually, I'm sure. We'll get to it. That's like whenever your boss is like, yeah, that's a great idea. Can we push it back a couple months? <laughs> and then you're like, it would have made my life a lot easier if it was done today. But yeah, okay. We'll circle back to it. We'll circle back to it. Like, can we table this? <laughs> Shelve it for later? Then Satan has some back and forth between Earth and Hell, but it's not important. It's only so that we can get some backstory and Raphael can come to Earth and have dinner with Adam and warn him that um, Satan is going to make him sin and to be careful. And then Eve tells us about her dream, which, you know, I like hearing about other people's dreams, but I hear a lot of other people don't like hearing about other people's dreams. And what we're hearing is Eve telling Adam about her dream. And Adam is having none of it. He's really not because she's like, I had a dream that I'm going to eat from the tree of knowledge. And he's like, eh, you can still choose not to, though. Adam's like, yeah, that sounds cool as he types on his phone. We'll see if she listens. So then Satan turns into a snake. I think he like possesses the snake's body. See, I always just thought that he could like shapeshift. At first, it seems like he's shapeshifting because he's shapeshifting into a bunch of animals in the garden. He shapeshifts into a bird to go sit on the tree. And then he shapeshifts into a toad to go whisper in Eve's ear as she's sleeping, which gives her the dream. Right. But then when we get to the snake part, it kind of sounds like he's possessing the snake. So I don't know what his power is. I think it's like multiple powers. He kind of seems like Loki though, like in that scene where Thor is telling us about when Loki turned into a snake and then scared him. Right. So like a trickster figure, so to speak. Yeah. He's a trickster figure, but like the worst one. Yeah. The worst trickster. The OG bad. His tricks are like those pranks that always go too far. He's like that prankster who doesn't know when to stop. That prankster that you see on YouTube and you're like, this isn't funny. Yeah. Yeah. So then Eve wonders why a snake can talk because none of the other animals can talk. And obviously the snake shouldn't be talking. It should just be the humans. Fair. And he says, I have been eating from the tree of knowledge. And she says, whoa. You've been eating from the tree of knowledge and now you can talk. I wonder what would happen to me, a person who can already talk, if I ate from the tree of knowledge. I would probably be like a god. Right. Which is what she had a dream about. She had a dream that someone told her she would be like a god if she ate and then she did and then it was bad. 
Right. So she doesn't listen to that dream and she goes and eats the fruit, but then she immediately regrets it and she goes to find Adam to confess. And Adam immediately sees that she has fallen and he decides that since she's going to be punished and kicked out of the garden, he doesn't want to be by himself and he would rather be fallen with her than alone and pure. So he eats the fruit too. Right. And then they see each other for the first time and they turn to lust. Of course, because... When you see someone wink, wink, nudge, nudge for the first time, the first thing you do is jump their bones. It's not, huh, that's some dangly bits. <laughs> I mean, they probably, that was probably their original when they weren't fallen. They were like, huh, dangly bits. Uh, okay, moving on. Those are some wind chimes. Moving on. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> So God sees that they've sinned and he goes to the sun and he's like, can you go dole out these punishments, but make them just and merciful. And the sun goes and just ignores all that advice. He comes up with the least fair punishment system I've ever heard of. Are you ready? Please. Okay. He goes to the snake who literally did not do anything. Remember, the snake was possessed by Satan and or Satan shapeshifted into a different snake. Right. The son punishes him by taking his legs away and he loses his legs forever. Okay, no, All wait, snakes wait, don't have legs no, wait, down. Wait, yes. Wait, <laughs> wait, no, wait. Yes. So the snake TM yeah. from the Garden of Eden that was actually yeah. Lucifer, Satan, was more of a lizard is that am i understanding this or a millipede yeah it's kind of like a like a salamander but a reptile because salamanders are amphibians but like it would have looked kind of like a salamander or maybe like a dragon in chinese mythology right and then and then the sun jesus tm took away the legs and now we have no feet. Yeah. Uh, now we have the little boop snoots that we have today. The snakes. And I love them. It's more fair in the Bible because it never says that the snake is Satan and we're to assume that, like, at least in the Old Testament, yeah. we're to assume the snake was the snake and the snake tricked Eve into eating the apple and then the snake gets punished. So that's fair. Yeah. If the snake actually did something and then he gets punished, that seems more just but this is just like a random snake. This is a different, totally different snake. <laughs> this is just like, oh, somebody impersonated you. So now we're going to punish you. And you're like, but I was at home. It's like that movie, My Cousin Vinny, which I told you to watch, but you didn't watch. Yep. Um, and they're accused of murder because they have a car that's similar to the actual car that was used in the murder. But like they just stole a tuna can and then they're being accused of murder. Yeah, it's exactly like that. It's like, yeah, maybe the snake was eating from like the tree of knowledge for realsies, but like doesn't deserve to be punished for telling Eve to go and snack because <laughs> it wasn't him. <laughs> Then he goes to the humans and he's he doles out his punishment to them. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm not loving these ones, but here we go. All humans must suffer pain and death. Right. Which means they have to have kids now to replace themselves. Right. Um. So Eve has to go through the pain of childbirth to have those kids to replace herself. Right. Thank you for that. But the secondary one that he gives her, and I think this is only in Paradise Lost. I don't think it's in the Bible. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that... Women have to submit to their husbands. I don't remember that from my Catholicism courses. Yeah, and I don't remember that from my children's Bible. So it's not in the Old Testament. It's only in the New Testament. Okay. It's not from the source material, the book of Genesis, which is what we're supposed to be using as a source material. Yeah, um, it's like an instruction for Christian living, really. Okay, confirmed. Adam gets... Men will have to toil on the depleted earth. Except the earth's depleted for everyone. 
If Adam can't find a caribou for Eve to eat, Eve is also the one who starves. They starve together. So let me get this straight. Men have to work and women have to give birth. Except like, you know that Eve's going to be helping him. And then eventually, since God is all knowing and can see the future, when they invent like machines to plow the field for you, Eve's still going to have to give birth and Adam's going to be sitting on his little riding tractor. You know, I think I think that's one of the reasons like Mennonites and Amish people still like follow those kind of like agrarian lifestyles oh well that would make sense wouldn't it that would make sense because they're often like pretty religious as well huh yeah so it makes sense that like they didn't accept the onset of certain machines and stuff because that wasn't how it was intended to be yeah like i don't know about amish because i think it's more of an american thing but mennonite is a religion yeah okay that's really interesting i hadn't thought of it like that so basically he gives the earth bad seasons like southern ontario i mean i've lived worse but okay i mean northern ontario gets colder but southern ontario also gets really cold and then it gets really really hot no we have nine months of winter and three months of bad weather so you got me there he gives us bad seasons like all of ontario better (laughs) and then adam and eve feel bad and they repent and god sends michael to have a little chat but only with adam eve gets like put to sleep while they're having their chat and michael takes adam up onto a hill and he shows him what is going to happen like he shows him a vision of all that's to come right what's going to happen with his descendants and the flood with noah and the coming of christ where there begins to be hope that humans will be able to repent and return with God. Of course. And then Eve wakes up and she's like, I had another dream. And Adam's like, I do not care. And we don't get to hear about this dream because Adam does not care. And then they walk out of paradise hand in hand. If Adam had given Eve the time of day and actually like spent time with her instead of doing whatever the heck he was doing and like listened to her dreams and understood her dreams and like communicated with him, we wouldn't have to go through the pains of childbirth. Also, we wouldn't exist because there would be no children well yes there would just be the two people there forever and ever that might have been better (laughs) yeah i don't know so that's the poem so here's my thing with paradise lost satan's supposed to be a really bad guy but i think this is where a lot of the like sly cunning sexy satan representations come from because he's like super charismatic so if you look in like contemporary media people just really have a hard on for satan well yes i have seen the the lucifer tv show yeah i have also read and watched the good omens there's like the later seasons of the chilling adventures of sabrina i haven't seen it but apparently satan's really hot in the stand really i mean i haven't seen it though so cannot confirm well let me google it But Satan is like the original tempter. So obviously he's going to be like someone who is going to seduce you to the other side. Yeah, I think he's probably like an allegory for like not trusting like smooth talkers, you know? Yeah, he's like a loan shark. Yeah, he's like the guy in the van who's like, I have puppies. And you're like, I love puppies. And then you have to tell yourself, wait, people who want to give you puppies cannot be trusted. And they probably don't have puppies. They probably don't even have puppies. Um, Let's hope they don't because people in vans handing out puppies is not a good system of government. It really isn't. That's a Monty Python reference. Oh, I haven't seen Monty Python. And the Holy Grail. Christ. Because there's lots of Monty Pythons. Anyway, even though it's not a good fanfic, I think it's making a theological argument. Like it has a theological argument to make. Okay, first I want to elaborate here on what makes a good fanfic. Okay, what makes a good fanfic? I think being true to the source material 
you know, while also giving fan service. Like, fanfics are good at doing good fan service while still remaining truthful to the, like, source material. So I think those are, are two very strong criterias. What else would be good for a fanfic? Like, good length and reliable scheduling and just a writer who uh, who knows the source material too. You can't just go, you know, writing whatever you want about things because you think you watch one episode of The Legend of Korra and you think it's cool. No, you have to watch all four seasons, you know? I mean, it might be fan service with the theological argument because presumably the people who are reading the Bible fanfic are going to be into the Bible. Mm, okay. Tell me more about this theological argument. So basically, the Old Testament was written. Yes. And then several thousand years later, the New Testament was written. Correct. And they, there's lots of parts where they don't tie together. Yes. This poem ties them together quite effectively, I think. It kind of like backtracks and it says, okay, these are one cohesive text. There are several things that do that. The snake is Satan. Right. In the Old Testament, the snake was not Satan. In the New Testament, it says that Satan is the ancient snake. So we're supposed to assume that he was the snake all along. Right. But in the Old Testament, like it was just, it was a snake. Just a normal snake. Yeah. Um, and it's usually interpreted that he's that way anyway in Christianity, but this like, this is explicit. The son is there from the start. He's not like an afterthought. Mm -hmm. In the Bible, he's, it's never mentioned God has a son until the New Testament. So I guess like the son is conceived and then he starts existing in the New Testament. Right. But in this, it's like he exists in heaven and then he's sent down and then he rises back up to heaven. Right. I don't know. This is a little blasphemous, but it's kind of like how the Star Wars prequel trilogy rewrites the rules of how the force works. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Why do we always go back to Star Wars? I don't know. We don't even like Star Wars that much. Well, I, I enjoy it. I've seen them once. Okay. The third thing is that Jesus is the union of God and quote unquote man, right? Like, right. Jesus is the union of God and humanity in one person. Uh -huh. There's a lot of parallels in the gender roles that make that more evident that there's going to be a union between God and humans. And let me run you through the gender roles. I'm just going to preface this with this is a 17th century text and I'm explaining how the gender roles are written in the 17th century text and the argument they're making. We don't believe in these nonsenses. We, we don't believe in this nonsense. So there's a gender divide in like the imagery of how heaven and earth are described. Heaven is described as being full of spirits masculine. Okay. And then earth is described described as the populous north poured never from her frozen loins. There's the word nature's womb and they call her mother earth. Okay. Or they call it mother earth. There's heaven and earth between Adam and Eve. Like Adam is described as more like heaven and Eve is described more as earth. Raphael says that Adam is a being of reason and heaven is described as the place of reason. And that's why Satan, who is a passionate rebel, has to fall from heaven because he doesn't have the reason. And then Eve is a being of passion, according to Raphael. And earth is described as a place of passion and corporality. Right. Which it was like really common in gender role representation yeah. at this time, where like men are more mental and women are more like body. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of gross. Then there's the motif of men birthing women. So like God, the masculine, created earth, the feminine. We've got sin coming out of Satan's head. Yep. Eve comes from Adam's rib. Okay, so in Paradise Lost, she was Adam's rib. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they both feel subservient to 
Satan and Adam respectively. They're like, you created me. I I need to follow you, you know? Yeah. Like humans are meant to follow God. Funny how that didn't change on its head once people with uteruses, which are not always women, started birthing everyone. That's true. Then it draws a gross line between the theological argument, we should obey our creators, and the patriarchal argument of women should obey men. That's no fun. No fun. Adam is described kind of in like divine terms. He's like the divine man. Because he was created by God as the OG. Like, I guess. Also, Eve like repents to him. She's like, I went and ate the apple. You sinned against God, but I sinned against God and you. You can only sin against gods, but Adam is divine. So I guess she thinks she can sin against him. Yeah, I guess because he was made perfect by God and then she was created out of him. So technically she should be perfect, but obviously she made a done fuck up. So here we are. Yeah, it's like a little microcosm where Eve is is representing humans and then Adam is representing God. Eve is described with a lot of nature-y language and her children are called seeds, which is kind of disgusting. I don't like that language. Adam gets information directly from God and Eve gets her through him and through dreams. So she never convenes directly with God or the angels. Whereas Adam has God on speed dial. It seems like this is just making a patriarchal argument that like women should be subservient to men, but there's things elsewhere in the text that complicate the gender roles, and which is why I think it's making a theological argument. Okay. Because Adam calls Eve his dear half and he sees her as an equal. Right. Eve was created after Adam and Satan says what God would create something worse after creating something better talking about like earth and heaven so earth must be like the perfect place but then he's also kind of describing eve because eve must be better than adam because she was created second right i mean if you create like an operating system you don't make a worse one right at sims 4 yeah (laughs) unless you're apple yeah eve isn't a sinful seductress like she is in the bible in the bible she tricks adam into eating the apple but in this she goes to him and she says hey i made this mistake and he decides to eat the apple so that he can be with her Right. And then they walk out of Eden hand in hand. I have a question. Yeah. Is Lilith in this one? No. Right. Lilith is not from Christianity. She's from Judaism. Right. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. No, that's fair. So it can't just be about like patriarchal subservience. It's got to be about something else. Right. And I think that it's about drawing parallels that would lead us back to like Adam is godlike. Eve is earth-like. There's a union of Adam and Eve, which is the union of God and humanity, which is like a pre-cursor, prefiguring of Christ coming to earth and becoming a human and a God kind of. That makes sense. So yeah, I think that's the theological argument it's making. I mean, it makes sense. I think, you know, the unification part seems like something that, that would make sense within the time period as well because like they had a lot of like weird hijinks going on politically and that kind of stuff the church of england was a thing now and usually the church of england was represented by whoever was the monarch at the time and then you know we had this whole period with the restoration going on where we didn't really have a head of england because it was a weird republic at the time i can see that there might have been like some issues here with like unifying you know, human and and godliness when there was no real head of the church. Oh, yeah, because the monarch of England was supposed to be like England's direct link to God. Yeah. So it was kind of like trying to get back at that. I would see it like that. That's cool. Yeah, because it was published right after the restoration came back. So it would make sense to like have these types of like texts that, you know, push for we can have God and we can have a person be a unified form of the divine, so to speak, you know? Yeah. So that was very religious. Yeah. But that's Paradise Lust for you. (laughs) 
And I just want to like mention that there's also a Paradise Regain that is far less popular and deals mostly with the temptation of Christ as recounted in the Gospel of Luke. So if you're more interested in that, by all means, go read it. It's only 2,000 lines compared to the Paradise Lost, which is about 10,000 lines. Oh, short, fun read. Satan makes a, a comeback. So if you were interested in Satan as a character, you know, he comes back. He does things. He's always around. He's always chilling. Yeah, he's doing things. He's showing people around, you know, Rome and Greece and stuff. So that's fun. Yeah. He's a tour guide. Satan the tour guide. Yeah, Satan the tour guide. He's always like, hey, you want this? And Christ is like, no. You know what I love? What do you love? I love the good guy Satan memes. Okay, tell me more. There's a meme where it's like Satan in the Garden of Eden and it's like humans don't know anything, lets humans know things. Right, because there is an argument to be made about, you know, being kept in the dark isn't necessarily better. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other carton of eggs. But no, I think like, okay, so I hate Milton just in general for reasons I have not, I have yet to like come completely come to head with. But part of it is just like when I was reading Paradise Lost, the little bits I took the time to actually read, I was kind of like over it you know yeah no i get that because it's like it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot and like i've read books that are a lot but at least they're fun you know like i've read books that are over 900 pages you know that's a lot like that's a lot of prose you know Mm -hmm. but at least the plot was fun like this is not a fun plot for me it's kind of preachy which is interesting because even though milton was religious like primarily he was an author yeah like that was his job so you'd think he'd want to make something more entertaining but i guess this this is what people were looking for. People were looking for this. Yeah, I mean, if women weren't allowed to learn how to read, I can imagine that they didn't care about how they were being represented here. Um, but as somebody who can read, I am big mad at him. <laughs> and I'd like to put that out there, which is probably a simplistic way of seeing this. And you know what? That's fine because you're allowed to just not like things. He was out here doing a lot and uh, I'm not sure if it was a lot of good. It was a lot of something though. Like he's allowed to have, you know, his preachiness, but I also really hated reading The Pilgrim's Progress. So preachiness is not for me. Like even today, like if I read a modern day novel, like a contemporary fiction, and it's even slightly too preachy about the things that it's talking about, I'm like, no, like you're not going to be selling me on this. And then I just like, you know, I I reject the book the entire time and I can't read it. So yeah, no, that's fair. I have a hard time being preached at. Hence why I don't go to church anymore. Don't take me to church. <laughs> um, I have one final fun fact about fan fiction. Okay. And that is the longest work of literature written in the English language right now is fan fiction. Yeah, I know it is. It's a piece of Smash Bros fan fiction that's been going on for like 12 years or something ridiculous. Um, and it's unpaid. So someone's someone's out there doing the most. And we thank them for their service. Yeah, we thank everybody for their service to literature. However, we may not partake in it. (laughs) On a scale of one to five women coming out of your head, what would you rate this poem? Okay, if I like remove myself from like the religious preachiness or whatever, I think it was fairly well written like its imagery is good its plot holds up enough fine i would give it like probably like a three out of five you know okay but based on how i feel about it i'd give it a one okay i mean that's like one woman popping full grown out of your head that's i think that's enough yes that's quite a bit already like imagine someone with a child's knowledge but also they're like a full-grown human you can't even like put things up on a shelf nope you can't no you can't put the Tide Pods on the high shelf because they can still reach it and eat them. No, that's a forbidden snack. <laughs> that 
truest forbidden fruit. Paradise Lost. The OG warning about Tide Pods. Paradise Lost. Don't eat the apple or the Tide Pods. Yes, good. I love it. So that's that. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We have been Unsighted with Amy and Chantel. If you liked this episode, please give us a rating of five stars on iTunes, or you could give it to us on Podchaser. We're also on there now. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at UnsightedPod. And if you want to send us a peer review about this episode, or just like a comment like Chelsea and her Shakespeare fanfic, you can send us a private message or email us unsightedpodcast at outlook.com. Yes, um, and if you have pictures of pets, please send them to us via the Instagram so I can put them on our story. Um, Let me know if you want your content to be tagged with you, but I would like to add more pets to the Instagram please yeah we're here for it yeah has nothing to do with uh with our literature background i just really love animals we just like pets if you have a snake please send me your snake oh my god yes we need to see the snakes please snake i love snakes that have arms like when you draw arms on them that are fake you know there's an entire reddit about this i also like when people draw arms on birds there's also an entire reddit for that yeah um anyway (laughs) thank you for listening we will see you in two weeks and as always we're excited unavailable Add, 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 add.